0: Welcome to the EarFluence Podcast, which is a podcast about podcasting from a podcast production company. I'm your host, Jason Gillikin, CEO of EarFluence, and with me as always is C.C. Huffman, Swiss Army Knife over at EarFluence. She's doing the graphic design, the production, the editing, whatever else is needed to be done. What's happening, C.C.?
1: Uh, same old, same old, a little bit of everything. It's really disgusting outside today, which I feel like every time we try and record something, it's raining. Yeah. Um, but actually over the weekend, my aunt was like, you know what, CC, I don't think I really know what you do. Like, could you describe what your day to day looks like? And I was like, No, (laughs) I really can't because it's different every time. Um, But that's part of what makes it fun.
0: That's good. Uh, My mom used to say I did something in computers. Yeah. uh, And it's even harder to describe podcasting.
1: That's what I used to tell my granny. I was like, oh, I just, I work on the internet.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think you made a, a good point one time where it's like, you had to tell your grandma or grandpa it was uh, radio for the internet. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: like the best way I feel like for people to understand if they're over a certain age. Yeah. <laughs> Good
0: way to describe <laughs> it for sure. All right. Well, I'm excited today. Uh, one, because we had a negative COVID test in the family, which was awesome. And that, that allows me to be here in this recording. But two, because we have a guest in studio today. Mm-hmm. So, Melinda Jackson from Melinda Jackson PR is in the studio to talk about leveraging podcasting for PR. So with that, Melinda, welcome to the EarFluence Podcast.
2: Thanks. I'm excited. Also, no one ever knows what I do either, so it's okay.
0: <laughs> so yeah. What do, you, what do you tell people? I
2: tell people that I make people famous. Mm. I um, love that. So when, I, when Can, I lived- Where do I sign up? I know. When I <laughs> lived in LA, it was a lot easier because I was working red carpets and things like that and premieres. And so I'm like, you know the people that wear all black and they have the headphones on and the headsets and walkie-talkies? That's me. Mm-hmm. Um but now my nephews, they know that I get people on TV. And so they're like, sissy did that. Sissy did that. <laughs> so that's always fun. Like if they're watching the news and, and when my clients come on. That's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. So tell us about the, you said LA. Yeah. All right. So you were doing red carpets. Yeah. Is that where your, your PR journey began? Yeah,
2: it did. So um, I kind of always have to tell the whole, my whole life story. So I grew up um, in Irwin, North Carolina, which no one knows what that is, but it's beside beside of Dunn, um, which they're literally the same thing, but my dad will not ever let me tell anybody I'm from Dunn. Um, Just Harnett County. Harnett County all the way. Yeah. Um, Went to Campbell, um, was a cheerleader there. And after I graduated, I moved to LA um, because I wanted to do entertainment PR. Um, I had no clue what I was getting into, but it was like the time where when The Hills came out and Laguna Beach and all those shows, and I'm the same age as those girls, and they all were doing fashion PR in L.A. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I could do that. And a lot of the girls I cheered with were communications majors, and they did internships in L.A. every summer. So I'm like, I want to do that. So after I graduated, I just up and moved, uh, knew no one, had no job, no money, anything, and I left. So went to L.A., was there for seven years, worked at um, a couple of different firms. Um, I left there, um, with a lot of experience, but a lot of burnout as well. Right. I just realized that, um, you know, at a lot of those big firms, I cared more about the clients than maybe the higher ups did. And, um, so then I moved uh, back to North Carolina and, um, worked at an agency for about two years and kind of realized the same thing that like, I can do a lot more for my clients if I'm working with them one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, that's kind of how I started my company. Um, almost October will be three years ago that I started it and it's been really awesome ever since.
0: Congratulations. That is really cool. So, um, in LA, like who did you work with? Tell us the story. Oh, of.
2: So the firm that I worked at the longest, we were a really small boutique firm. And so we helped out a lot of other firms. So, if, mm-hmm. um, you know, my boss had friends that had a firm in New York and they didn't have an LA office. We were kind of the LA office. So through that I got to work with a ton of really cool clients that weren't maybe my day-to-day but I kind of always tell people I, I like got to take boys to men to the Grammys mm-hmm. and like anytime uh-huh. they were in town I got to take them to premieres and stuff and it's funny being on the red carpet with boys to men because it was my second time at the Grammys first time on the red carpet and I was just like oh my god like I'm fangirling over all these people and like Macklemore and Ryan Lewis I think his name mm-hmm. were running up to boys to men and like um Jared Leto was like freaking out that boys to men was there and i'm freaking out because stevie Nicks is beside of me you know and like ringo star is right there but everyone's freaking out about (laughs) my clients and Mm -hmm. so that was that was really really cool but
0: and so wait are you like no no no, uh yeah okay yeah
2: literally i'm like no we have to we have to do an interview with chris conley um from abc and that was another thing um you're probably too young to remember this but you might on mtv news chris conley was one Uh of the correspondents Mm -hmm. and so now he works for espn and abc and it was so funny because i like went up to him and i'm like i love i've loved you for so long like it's so cool to see you do this like i realize i'm way younger than you but like this is amazing like will you please talk to them and and so he did an interview with them and that was really cool and um like he still follows me on social media chris does and he'll check in every few years and it's it's just really cool but yeah i mean literally it's like celebrities were coming up to them being like oh my god oh my god and i was like no no we have to do this interview like w- like we'll get a picture in a minute right. or me setting up the photo ops for that. So yeah. that was always really cool. And I have so many stories like that. Like people are always like, who's the most famous person you've met? And I'm like, literally who haven't I met at this point? Because it's just one of those things. You may see somebody in CVS or, you know, have a yoga class with them or have to work an event with them.
0: But, okay. So maybe not the most famous, but who was the coolest person that you um, met where you're like, person. ooh, that was, well, that was an interesting conversation there. Um,
2: yeah. I'm trying to think like. Paris Hilton DJed an event for us and, um, she told, it was so funny. I really hope my former coworker does not listen to this, but, (laughs) um, Jenny, she'll get it. If I say this, Jenny was my coworker and she was so excited to see Paris Hilton and Mm -hmm. I didn't really care either way. And I had on like this sparkly forever 21 dress that I probably paid $10 for it. Paris Hilton comes up to me and it's like, I love your dress so much. I was like, oh, thanks, girl. Meanwhile, Jenny had tried so hard and like really wanted to impress Paris and Paris just did not pay attention to her. But Paris was super nice and I don't know if you guys have seen her documentaries or anything, but Mm -hmm. she is like so nice and so smart in real life and and, like actually a really great DJ and just really cool. So it's just so many stories like that that I have where, you know, at the end of the day, you realize like the celebrities really are just like us and kind of my MO was to not act too cool for school, I would just talk shit to them. And they mm-hmm. loved it because they're like, oh, man, this person does not care who I am. I'm like, fuck Duke. You know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if I saw someone like Retta from Parks and Rec, she went to Duke and I was like, fuck Duke. She was like, what? Oh. So every time I would see her on a red carpet, I was like, fuck Duke.
0: <laughs>
2: oh <my gosh. laughs> so, wow. yeah. All right. That's my whole spill. Sorry. That's
0: amazing. <laughs> um, and then coming back to North Carolina. Yeah. So who are your clients now? Like, who are you working I have, with now? I have
2: a couple of different clients, and it's always kind of hard to to say who I'm working with because it could be a month, it could be a year contract, you never know. But right now, um, one of my projects I'm really excited about is Inez. She is the owner of Tarboro Brewing Company. She's a small yay. she's an activist, a mom, and she's releasing a book about her experience with September 11th because she worked at windows to the world, which was a restaurant at the world Mm -hmm. trade center. And she just happened to be in North Carolina for a wedding that weekend. So she wasn't there or else she could have been at the restaurant that morning. I got goosebumps just like thinking about it, but like Mm -hmm. her book is so incredible and it's so cool to like help lift up like a female entrepreneur's voice and, you know, tell these stories and tell a different perspective of September 11th, especially with the 20 year anniversary. So that's something that's been really, really fun for me to work on.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, And then are you working with other artists, authors? Yeah.
2: So I have a couple of um, authors. So kind of how it ended up turning out is like, you know, my first year of business, I just kind of did whatever I could. And then before COVID, I was trying to get back into music. So I got a lot of um, clients from Nashville that I was working with and trying to help develop. Um, And then COVID happened. And so many of them were releasing music still. So I was like, just kind of pay me what you can. Let's figure this out because I don't want you to get lost in this. Right. Cause I'm truly like a client first kind of person. And then through that, like somehow figured out like, Oh, music and female entrepreneurs are kind of my bread and butter here. And so it's been so rewarding, especially during COVID, like telling female entrepreneur stories. So I've just been doing a lot of that. So um, I think that's kind of where I want to be right now. So, with some entertainment and then also trying to tell female entrepreneurs and, like, female minority stories.
0: Yeah, and it's so important. I mean, it, it's valuable for sure. If, yeah. if you can hone in on that particular niche and know, like, and, and have female entrepreneurs know, like, this is a person to go to exactly. to get the word out.
2: Yeah, and and it's so hard because, I mean, I'm a female entrepreneur and I'm, uh, yeah. I'm horrible at promoting myself and it's right. so easy for me to promote other people. And sometimes you're just too close to it and you don't know who to reach out to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm someone... I have the context. I can make one call and make things happen, and it can completely change the trajectory of someone's business, and I take that so seriously, and I I love that. Like, I truly believe this is my calling. So it's just so fun to watch and, like, to work with people on it and get creative and think, like, okay, you know, what's some kind of fun angle that we can do that people wouldn't expect? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. So going back to Inez, uh, Cece, don't you have, like, a Tarboro brewing uh, sticker
1: I do I have a Tarboro <laughs> Brewing sticker on my computer so my family's also from Harnett County yes. and then my mom grew up in Tarboro
2: Oh my so, god ding ding, ding. <laughs> Everything's connected full circle. we are going to we best friends So you hear it here first guys mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Start of something special uh, yes.
2: Yep <laughs> um, <laughs> I marking this day on my calendar <laughs> <laughs> friend anniversary
0: <laughs> So we're we're recording this on September 9th and the the um book will come out september 11th Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and she's going to be on the ncfmb podcast on
2: it came out today today. actually yes
0: today so you know that's something that you probably coordinated Mm -hmm. or or helped coordinate yeah and so that kind of gets to the the topic of this conversation is leveraging uh podcasting for for pr yeah so what have what have you done with that so far yeah Uh,
2: so i mean honestly like I've, i was a very early adopter of podcasts. Like I love podcasts. I've always listened to them. Um, and I think it was really during COVID where I realized like, okay, I can't get my clients in studio anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There, everybody's trying to get on WRL or whatever news station it is. Okay. Well, all of the journalists are laid off who is still doing things. Okay. Podcasts, like people are producing more podcasts every single day and you know, it, it's easy to do virtually. So I just really started researching and, um, finding out what podcasts worked for my clients and through that have been able to create some really great relationships, especially because I have so many, you know, niche clients, like female entrepreneurs, where I could go back to the same person, like two or three times and say, Hey, I love the podcast you did with Cole. Can I have Juanita on, or can I have Erica on? It's been really helpful. And my clients have seen so much growth from it because you have this like really great piece of long form media that they can use to get speaking gigs or they can use to like, I had one client figure out that she wanted to do a podcast. And so we took all of her clips from all the podcasts she had been on and she was able to create like her own podcast and and get a guest host and things like that. So it's been really cool and really important. And like, I I see so much growth from it. I almost see it as like kind of how I tell my clients, like micro influencers are kind of the way to go because Mm -hmm. the people with 900 million followers, people don't trust that they know they're getting paid to put tummy tea or whatever the fuck it is on mm-hmm. there but like like <laughs> you know <laughs> podcast listeners are loyal just like micro influencers their their followers are really loyal and so i just see so much growth from it
0: yeah it's so funny about uh, paid podcasting yeah like there are some out there that, that you have to pay to oh be i on, know on and yeah. and
2: i will say no every single time i'm like no that's for advertising that's yeah. advertising i'm not doing it i'm sorry yeah I, a hard pass on that shit i don't care like make your money with something else. <laughs> right. I think that's a good,
1: you reminded me of something. I, so when I was in college, it was advertising PR. Like if that's yep. what you wanted to major in, you were doing ad and they're PR. they're not the same at no, all. No, they're not. And I used to think that PR, like before I had to take these classes, was just like a bunch of people sitting in a control room in a crisis, like figuring out mm-hmm. how they're gonna save their business from like completely going under. So what exactly is PR? What's the purpose? Because yeah. I think that before we even get into it for podcasting, yeah. like it's important to make sure that people know it's not advertising.
2: No, it's not. And like, I worked at an ad agency and the whole time I was like, what the fuck is any of this? Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand. Like, I just want to send some emails. Like, I don't understand. What is this? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, so like at its essence, PR is really like, it's truly like public relations. So anything outward facing that's organic. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of what, I mean, in my day to day, I talk to my clients, I figure out, you know, what angle, Or what we need to push. Okay, well, what is the angle going to be? And then figure out, okay, what's going to be the best avenue for us to do that? Do Mm -hmm. we need to write a press release? Probably not. A lot of times you don't unless it's a super corporate thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas, you know, most of the time it's – I could send a couple of paragraphs and, like, a a link and a picture to someone to, like, the right publication or the right media outlet, whatever – and get what we need. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be this huge reinventing the wheel thing as long as the angle's there, the information is there, and you're not bombarding and overloading the person. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Did that answer your question at all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, it's literally, it's so simple. It's literally just connecting with other people. It's not a billboard. It's not a commercial. I don't do any of that shit. I don't care about it. (laughs) I think it's stupid because, like, I would much rather my client pay me $2,000 a month and me get them 15 organic press hits that they can then go and run with than me sit there and have my client pay me $2,000 so then I can ask them to pay me $5,000 or give me $5,000 so then I can give somebody some TV show to give them a 30-second commercial that no one's ever going to see. Yeah. Like, no. That's stupid. Right. Like, you have to think about it from where you would relate to something as a consumer Mm -hmm. and, and go with it from there. Not to bash advertising, but sorry, <laughs> sorry. You still need to sponsor podcasts. Thanks. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. So like for for Inez, you're trying to get her on podcasts. You're trying yeah. to get her so on- Yeah, so we've got, we've what, got a ton or? of
2: podcasts. We did WRL that actually ran this morning, like local newspapers. So kind of with Inez, my strategy was um, local and then snowball it into national. And that's kind of how we're doing. So I think we're going to have something in food and wine. We're going to have a couple of really big- National hits, and then after the book comes out, I'll do just a full court press, um, kind of like just pitching everybody and say like, "Hey, the book is up. Um, here's the link. You know, go from there."
0: Who's everybody? Is this like newspapers? Is it yeah,
2: like any kind of anything that's like feels relevant? Yeah. Um, she has so many different really amazing angles because she's a mom and an entrepreneur and a yay and brewery owner and all these things that like I can go to the niche outlets, but I can also go to the general media. And, you know, L.A. Times, New York Times, things like that. And a lot of times I will, I will go to those, like, bigger market local press because it counts as national. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of consider L.A. Times national, New York Times, the sure. New Yorker, that's national.
0: Yeah, okay. So you mentioned the, the angle, like, coming up with a, an angle to, mm-hmm. to try to pitch these. And for somebody like Inez who has a book coming out, like, that's, that's the angle right there. Is yeah. She's got this book coming out, and it's an awesome book because of X, Y, and Z like, how do you coach up your other clients on, Here's here's the angle and and come up with something to craft to send to podcasts or to send to media outlets? So
2: I kind of do like a deep dive session at the beginning and just say, okay, like, what do you actually do? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they don't know what they even do. And so we have to go through a whole- Yeah, they're too close to it. They're too close to it. And like, I just sit there and I'm like, okay, let's think about like, who is your audience? And if they say everybody, okay, that's wrong. Let's really break it down. Because- Mm -hmm. No one has an everyone audience. Like even McDonald's, they're not an everyone audience. Mm -mm. They have to be people that eat meat, you know, like people that have expendable income or whatever. So you have to break it down and figure out who your audience is. And then what do you do and how can you break it down to something they would respond to?
0: Yeah. Because we get a lot of pitches every Mm -hmm. single day. Yeah. And most of them are just really lengthy. Yeah. And I... I don't respond, but I always want to respond with like the TLDR, like uh-huh. the too long, yeah. didn't read. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't, I'm not going to go through this. Yeah. You need to tell me why you're interesting mm-hmm. in like that first line. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, like and there's even, so the many the time.
2: And even just a subject line. Yeah. Like, and I, um, when I was in LA, I started a blog and it was partly just to see like, like if I could get people to send me pitches so I could see what people pitch. And then also just so I could get free stuff and like both things happen. And I'm still on people's media list, and I see what other publicists are pitching. And I'm like, I can't believe people are paying you. There's no mm-hmm. way anybody responds well to this. And I have so many journalists, friends that like tell me all the time, like, oh, this publicist does like this. Like, I hate this. I hate this so much so that um, at one of the PR conferences here, I did a whole talk on media relations, like in terms of a publicist going to the media and how you can strengthen that relationship. And I went to all of my journalist friends and I'm like, tell me everything that these people do wrong. And that's my entire presentation. Oh, wow. And it blew everyone's mind. And they're like, stop following up with me 15 times. Follow up with me once. And if you don't hear back from me, don't do it again. Mm -hmm. Like I follow up two to three days later and I will never follow up again unless it is something I truly, truly think I need to follow up on. Because otherwise you're just getting a ton of emails. And I'm sure you guys get that too. Yeah. And you're like, I didn't give a shit about this anyway, Stop. <laughs> right. you know, right. and I try not to blast, you know, media lists. And that's something that a lot of publicists do. And probably why you're getting this is because they'll just pull from a media database that they have to spend thousands of dollars to subscribe to. They don't even look at the list. They just put in the keywords and then they just blast it, BCC and blast it to everybody. Yep. And half the time it's not even relevant.
0: Yeah. And then some will go even further and start calling and call multiple times. I will never
2: call anybody. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want anybody to call me. I'm not calling anybody. I said that like last week, the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like do not call. My phone is always on do not disturb for a reason. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's so funny. Like when I wasn't sure if I could make this recording, I was actually looking for your phone number to try to call you or text you. Could not find that. (laughs) Not on your website, not in your email. No,
2: I don't. Well, that's another thing. I don't want random people calling me. I'm like, oh. (laughs) But I mean, if you try hard, you can find it. I've had the same phone number since I was 12. Uh. So it's fine. (laughs) But yeah.
0: If somebody's listening to this and they want to be on more podcasts. Mm -hmm. And so we're we're talking about the pitch to podcasters, email, follow up once, make it a short pitch, get to that special sauce right away. Like, how do you coach up your clients on being on podcasts? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and what... You know what to do with that.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I think it always kind of depends on the format of like, is it going to be video? Is it not going to be video? Is it just going to be audio? So that helps. If it's video, uh, you know, obviously tell them like, go to a place that's not busy in your house. Go to a place that's quiet. You know, don't use your hands a bunch. You know, man or whatever it is. No, uh, <laughs> Teledega <it again> Nights. <laughs> yeah. And so I I kind of coach them on like how to be on video, and that's the same thing as if you know they're doing a Zoom with a news station or whatever. But a lot of my clients get really anxious because they don't know what questions are going to be asked and Mm -hmm. they kind of freak out. And I'm like, listen, I've already sent them all of your stuff. We can send them suggested questions if you're really nervous about this. And a lot of times I'll even ask the podcast host, you know, can you send me a few sample questions so I can send my client just to make sure they're okay? Or these are the questions we'd like you to talk about. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll even just say, hey, is it okay if you guys talk for about five minutes when you first get on, don't record yet. Just so you can get comfortable with each other because she's kind of freaking out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that always seems to help. So I think there are options there for sure. If somebody's going to be on a podcast, they've never been on a podcast, like, you know, ask for the sample questions. If they have any, ask some topics, ask if you can get on a few minutes before and just kind of like get the lay of the land a little bit.
0: That's so smart. Cause that's mm-hmm. what what we always recommend is, for our, our clients is talk to their guests for like five minutes, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. like you were saying. Yeah. And whether we use it or not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it just gets those nerves out. Exactly. People tend to talk really fast in the beginning, Mm -hmm. and that kind of fades away and gets to a normal conversation. And a lot of times we'll just, Cut yeah. all that stuff out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: you realize it's not scary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then
1: everything's fine.
2: Yeah, like yeah. I, I had no clue what you guys were going to talk to me about when I came in here, and I was like, "It's fine, whatever." Yeah. But I'm used to it at this right. point, and I'm confident enough in my skill set and what I'm going to talk about that it's okay. And like, you can get to that place, mm-hmm. but some people still just kind of freak out. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I think you seem very naturally comfortable anyway. Yeah,
2: that's so like,
0: me. <laughs> yeah, like, seems like you're a natural extrovert. Um, we had on uh, Melissa Housem from uh, Raleigh Magazine uh-huh. on this podcast, and she was so nervous. Like, she.
2: They've been hiding behind the print. That's yeah, exactly that's right. That's, that's ex- what I said. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah and, and Cece was saying that exact same thing. Me it's and like, Cece, our
2: mm. twins. I no one has noticed yet. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. This is. Uh, romance is blossoming. <laughs>
0: But she was saying, you know, she was really nervous with it, but you're right. At, at some point you're like, Oh wait, this is just a normal conversation here. Um, yeah. but some people will love to have a glass of wine in front of them mm-hmm. or a beer or whatever. Cool. Yeah.
2: If that helps <laughs> do it, but also don't get sloshed. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I kind of have a no alcohol rule when it comes to work stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to be drinking. I don't want my clients to be drinking. Cause mm-hmm. that's I don't want some crazy shit happening. Then you have to go to the control room. Yes. And do damage Yes, control. literally. Yeah. I'm like, I ain't, uh-uh. But I had to do enough of that. I'm not doing it again.
0: <laughs> One of your clients literally owns a brewery.
2: I, Come oh, on. that's different. That's different. <laughs> if they're, like, drinking, that's fine. But it's, like, I think my L.A. days have kind of scarred me a little yeah. bit of, like, pulling clients out. and like, you got to stop. And covering up people's DUIs and things like that is not fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, you need a podcast.
2: <laughs> I know. I want one. I would be really good at it, obviously, if you can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but my podcast would just be me telling all these celebrity stories and getting sued.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I was about to say. That sounds
2: like a lawsuit waiting to happen. I know. It's fine.
0: Y- it needs to be like, I'm not going to tell you her name, but yeah. it rhymes with Harris Filton.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I have all the good stories about her.
0: That's good. That's good. So, you know, you're you're kind of coaching up your clients on on being on podcasts. Have any of your clients started podcasts or are they looking more for just other opportunities? Yeah, I've had,
2: like I said, I had a client that we had gotten her on so many podcasts. She was like, wait, this is great. And then like one of the people that she was on a podcast with, he really loved their conversation was like, I think we should start a side podcast. So she has two podcasts now. She has her own podcast and then a side podcast with this guy. And they, I think they're only like 10 minute episodes. It's like leadership stuff. But yeah, I mean, I've seen people fall in love with it for sure.
0: Yeah. What are those podcasts? Like who's your client?
2: Oh, I mean, they're not my client anymore. And honestly, oh. I don't know what the like <laughs> Never <mind>. the podcast <laughs> is or I would tell you, but like she's great. I'm just I don't want to like don't say out it wrong. It, yeah. I don't want to say it wrong. I mean, it's not like it, there's bad blood there. It's just we're on a pause right now. And she started the podcast and I don't know it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know and, the yeah. name of it.
0: And you're a fan. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. She's great.
0: So. Yeah. Well, that's good. What else do you tell your clients when they're trying to get on on podcasts?
2: Um one thing I just kinda say across the board is like Whatever like I'm pitching, make sure your stuff is consistent with that messaging. So make sure your social media is consistent with the messaging that I'm sending out or else people are going to, like journalists, podcast hosts, whoever it is, they're going to click the links to your social media that I send. And if it's just selfies of you, they don't give a shit about that. They want to yeah. see like what we're talking about and what yeah. we're pushing. So I just try to make sure that, that they know, like, okay, this is what I'm going out there with. You need to do it as well yeah. and drive it home.
0: I think we've... Um we've made sure that our clients that are getting on other podcasts, they have a very clear call to action mm-hmm. and they practice that call to action because yes, the the host will give them some room at the end usually, but you can't always count on that. Um, so, you know, throughout the course of the conversation, you can mention the yep. book, mention the song, mention whatever mm-hmm. else that's coming uh, about and, you know, do the shameless plugs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You, you've and, got to. And
2: that's something that, um, I'm glad you brought that up, but that's something that I tell people, especially when they're doing like a three minute news interview, because you literally only have three minutes to get so much information in. So it's like, plug it, plug it, plug it. Cause they may or may not put it up on the screen.
0: Gosh. Um, CC in, in your, in your classes, what do they teach you about PR and what questions do you have for Melinda about, you know, what she's telling her
2: I'm going to go ahead and tell you, they don't teach you, they no, don't they really, don't they don't, don't teach you anything, anything about PR. No. Interesting. Like Nothing.
1: it's, it's. I took ad PR because mm-hmm. it's the class that they offer and half the semester's ad, half the semester's PR supposedly, but it all just ended up being about mm-hmm. advertising. I learned more. I worked for the university. I learned more about PR working for the yep. university than I did in any class
2: that I took I in knew nothing when I left school about PR. Yeah. I had no clue. I had to teach myself everything in my internships. So when I moved to LA and I didn't get a job out the gate, I had three internships at once and they were all unpaid Mm -hmm. because I just had to get as much experience as I could. Now looking back, I'm like, how the fuck did I do that? Like I was working three jobs as well, trying to, you know, make money and so I could live, but like they don't teach you anything. And that's something that really makes me mad. And I'm like, do I go back and like get my master's so I can go teach PR and tell people like what this is, but Mm -hmm. my interns never know anything. And I get that, and I'm not hard on. Them. I'm like, girl, I know they're not telling you shit all, so I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna teach you, you know.
0: Yeah. Um. So you know what what mistakes have you made? You know, with with your clients, um. You know that you're you're like, oh, that was something Melinda learned from yeah. from a while oh, back.
2: God. Um. When I'm doing a blast, not BCCing and just CCing all, and then everybody's just like, <laughs> oh. "Why the fuck did you do this?" And then you have literally a hundred journalists on there, and, and they can see everybody you sent to, and it's just oh. like embarrassing. So a lot of that, a lot of just sending stuff out before it's ready or fully proofed. Mm-hmm. So that that's just like normal kind of mistakes. I'm trying to think of some stuff that I've done more recently. It's just like kind of like procrastinating on things and and not. Reaching out earlier mm-hmm. and then realizing like, shit, I should have reached out a week ago to mm-hmm. this person. Gotcha. But that that's just, I mean, I think that's anything in life. Um, and being busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And it'll go to the bottom of your to-do list or whatever. Um, and then I think just my own from like an entrepreneur's entrepreneurial standpoint is like taking on clients that cannot pay me what I'm worth and pay me grossly under that Yeah, because those are always the ones that need five thousand dollars worth of work and only want to pay you five hundred dollars mm-hmm. right. and they want to like nitpick about every single little thing and like get on a call every single day and it's like no we're not doing this um, yeah. but I think everybody kind of gets that and and that's one of those things that happens when you're just too nice and you just want to help people <laughs> yeah
0: yeah for sure I think that's the same in, in e- every single yeah. industry for mm-hmm. sure well this is awesome I mean like this is great like podcasting for PR is so powerful and we've seen that with our clients who want to be a guest on other podcasts so they can leverage other other networks and what i'm excited about and working closer with you is well how can our clients be on as guests on wral how can they mm-hmm. be on as guests on on other platforms and part of with podcasting is getting those reps yeah like and, and being comfortable in talking to people and, and honing in on your message because you need those practice sessions mm-hmm. like if a podcast has say seven downloads, that is not a waste of your time because you get that practice Mm -hmm. um, for the one where you, where it is 20,000 downloads. Exactly. Right.
2: And you never know, you never know what's going to resonate with people.
0: Yeah, for sure. What am I, what am I missing um, for, for podcasting for PR or does anything that you want to add about PR in general?
2: I think it's one of those things that people think they know what it is and they don't. Yeah. I just kind of always tell people like, if you don't have a budget, just try. It's not It's not like try it on your own. You know, it's not that hard to get a couple of things and get some momentum on your own. And then when you realize you need more, like come to somebody like me or find a publicist that that you really connect with or that specializes in whatever your area is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it literally is like getting press is literally as simple as just finding the right publication or media outlet that's going to resonate with whatever your message is and just reaching out. And it can be like, hey... I have this podcast, it's about X, Y, and Z. Here's a link to a couple of episodes that I think you'd really like. I would really like to be on your show or I would like to you know, talk with you about blah, blah, blah. You yeah. know, it, it can be that simple. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really not that hard, you know?
0: And people say yes. Like yeah, people love to hear about exactly. themselves.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And one thing that I found is that news outlets are hungry for stories. Always. And- like they need to feed the beast. Like it is pressure for them to uh, try to come up with content every single day, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, how do they do that? They will welcome these stories um, if you're giving them something good. Yeah. So are you taking clients right now? I am, yeah. Okay, so how do people reach out to you?
2: Um, they can find me, uh, it's melindajacksonpr.com. Um You can email me at melinda at I also have all my social is dot or whatever it is, not .com, just <laughs> MelindaJacksonPR. Honestly, I'm bad about checking that, so just email me, because I check my personal, not my professional, because uh, that one's boring. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm easy to get a hold of.
0: Awesome. Well, Melinda, thank you so much for coming on the EarFluence yes, podcast. such you. great insight yeah.
2: here. Yeah, cool.
0: Um, so uh, for everybody listening, if you are interested in PR, go to melindajacksonpr.com. If you're interested in podcast production, head on over to EarFluence.com. Uh, for C.C. Huffman, I'm Jason Gilligan, and we'll see you next time on the EarFluence Podcast.